0: Hello there. This episode is called Idioms Game and Chat with Andy Johnson, and you can hear a conversation with friend of the podcast, Andy Johnson from the London School of English. You'll also hear loads of idiomatic expressions just coming up naturally in the conversation. And uh, since recording this, I've listened back to it, and I counted at least 25 idioms being used. I'll be going through them all in this episode after about 40 minutes of conversation. So watch out for some idioms and then keep listening to hear me explain them all. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode. And just before the jingle, let me mention my sponsor, italki. support this podcast if you're looking for a one-to-one teacher or conversation partner to have your own rambling conversations in english to improve your vocabulary or grammar or prepare for a job interview or an exam then you should check out italki because that's where you can find teachers that can help you also there's a big community of people there who share ideas advice and experiences you can learn lots of different languages on italki Uh, It's not just English, there's loads of languages. And so the community of people using it is from around the world, and that includes places like the UK. Um, So it's possible, for example, to organise language exchanges, uh, which are free, with English speakers who might want to learn your language. Or you can just get paid lessons from qualified teachers, if that suits you better. And remember, italki are offering all my listeners a free lesson. Uh, you need to use my special link to get that. It's teacherluke.co.uk slash talk. Or you can click an iTalkie logo on my website. And here's a comment I got on the website just the other day from a Lepster, who's clearly enjoying italki. Um, and the comment went like this. I just want to say uh, that thanks to iTalkie, I've met some very good friends. Don't hesitate to try it, people. And that was from Mikal. Pesek, or Mikal Pesek, or Mikal Pesiek. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name, Mikhail. But anyway, it seems that Mikhail has been enjoying using italki, uh, and sort of making friends with people uh, in the community there. So there you go, folks, check it out. Uh, now then, let's get started with the episode. And here's the jingle. <laughs> You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. In this episode, I'm talking again to Andy Johnson from the London School of English. And while we're talking, we're going to play an idioms game so that you can practice your listening with this conversation and also learn some natural English expressions in the process. Andy is here with me. All right, Andy. Hello. How's everyone doing? I'm sure everyone's doing fine. I'm speaking for everyone there. Andy, I'm going to do the introduction to this episode now. Excellent. With you here in the background, okay? hmm I hope it won't be too long. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I'll sit here quietly writing down idioms that I'm going to say later. Okay, good. You've got wa- have you got water? I've got water. I've got cake. I've got um, biscuits. O- and I've got coffee. Oxygen. A little bit of oxygen, yeah.
0: Okay, good. So, I'm going to do the introduction. Sometimes I will check in on you, Andy, just to see if you're still there, that you're okay with what I've said, that you're still alive, and so on, okay? No worries. All right, so, Andy Johnson has been on this podcast a couple of times before, but if you haven't heard those episodes, here is some intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. This is the Andy Johnson fact file. Andy, you you can verify whether all of this is true or not okay andy johnson started out working in marketing before becoming an english teacher true this is true he's been teaching english for a number of years i think it's about 15 years now it is 15 years yeah correct bang he did the delta qualification at the same college as me where did you do your delta (laughs) you don't remember where you did yours I know where I
1: did mine, but did you do yours at UCL? Yes, UCL. Alright, oh, yeah, we did it at the same place. What, what does UCL stand for?
0: Uh, university College London. And where is that university college? It's in London. Okay. And he has worked for the London School of English, which is also in London, for over 10 years. Right? Correct. Correct. First as a teacher and now as the director of London School Online. That's the London School's online operation. And yes, I'm calling it an operation, which, which makes it sound either like they're surgeons or special agents. And perhaps they are somehow a combination of both of those things, but for online English courses. London School Online offer various online courses for learners of English and other things of that nature. Get more details at londonschoolonline.com. Is that right? That's correct. And there's
1: even a video of me talking about londonschoolonline.com. Really? At londonschoolonline.com.
0: <laughs> okay, there you go. You can get all that information. At- <laughs> I think we did the plugs there, didn't we? We did. We did, we did all right there. We did yeah. all right there. On londonschoolonline.com. Andy is a runner. He runs marathons, which is great considering he nearly lost a leg when he was younger. And when I say lost a leg, I don't mean that he just couldn't find it for a while. Like, oh, where's my leg? I put it down earlier. And like, oh, there it is. Oh, I nearly lost a leg there. No. I mean, he nearly had to have it removed permanently, which sounds like it was very frightening and horrible. And there is a, an emotional and inspirational story that explains what happened, which you can hear if you listen to episode... Blah, number. I don't remember the number. Do you remember? Uh, no, no.
1: <laughs> I know that we recorded it last summer. That's all I know. <laughs>
0: It's episode 472, which is called Andy's Survival Story, Why Andy Runs Marathons, episode 472. Anyway, check the episode archive. Uh, You can uh, find out about Andy and his marathon running. So despite an early issue with his leg, Andy is a runner. And in fact, at the moment, he's training for the London Marathon, which happens next month. Is that correct?
1: Yep. April the 22nd. Okay. I'm
0: getting all of these right. You are doing very well. It's like you've prepared. I'm I'm impressed by your level of research. Andy is married and has two children who are boys. He sometimes steps on pieces of their Lego, which I understand is incredibly painful. Yeah, that's true. Lego comes from Denmark, but Andy Johnson is half Swedish. But Sweden and Denmark are both Scandinavian countries, so the link still works somehow. However, this doesn't lessen the pain he experiences when he steps on on Lego. If anything, it makes it worse. Does it really? It just brings it home, how painful it is. Yeah, it's
1: from our near neighbours inflicting pain on us. It it makes it worse. Is there a Scandinavian-Danish rivalry? There is a little bit. In the south of Sweden, there's an area called Skorna, which is a a large area in the the south. And... um, it's uh, it's the part that is closest to Denmark, and that part of Sweden really identify with the Danes, and they've to the point where they've got their own flag, which is like a mix between the Swedish flag and the Danish flag. In that, it's a red flag with a yellow cross on it, and uh, so they're they're obviously quite keen on the Danes. But as, as I think as a as a country, um, the Danes are seen as quite cosmopolitan quite friendly neighbors the the beef if swedes have beef with anybody it's with the norwegians
0: andy has a good joke about swedish military ships having barcodes so that when they come into port they can scandinavian which sounds like scandinavian it's a good joke despite the way i just told it then it was a good joke once upon a time until you told it just now. <laughs> just ruined it for everyone. Just time. ruined it. Uh, as an English teacher, Andy often. Uh, I'm talking about you in the third person, even though you're here, which is a bit yeah. weird. But as an English teacher, Andy often attends teaching conferences where he presents talks to other English teaching professionals. Previously, we talked about his talk on millennials in the English language classroom, which he has done at various conferences, including the IATEFL conference, which is a bit like the Glastonbury Festival, but for English teaching.
1: There it is, there it is, but with less toilets.
0: Uh, Andy also looks a bit like Moby, the American musician, DJ, record producer, singer, songwriter, photographer, and animal rights activist, but a better dressed version. Sometimes people mistake him for Moby with hilarious results. As we've heard on the podcast before. So Andy is like a better dressed, half Swedish, half English, English teaching Moby lookalike, who runs marathons, steps on his kid's Lego and talks about teaching English to millennials at conferences. But he's so much more than that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's good. Can I just, I, the only
1: thing I'd take um, issue with there is mm-hmm. when you say he steps on his children's Lego, it makes you sound like I do it deliberately. <laughs> I, I, I have not, I'm yet to step on my kid's Lego deliberately. It's always accidental and it's always painful. Yeah,
0: yeah, horrible. Okay, so there you go. Now, um, as well as having a conversation, which we will eventually get round to doing, In this episode, we've also decided to play a game as a way of including a language focus, in this case, idioms. And uh, listeners, you have to spot at least six idiomatic phrases in this conversation, although there will definitely be more than six. Andy and I have both chosen three idioms to include in our conversation. Um, You've got your idioms, Andy? I've already used one. I think I might have jumped the gun a bit there. Really? There's another one. You jumped the gun. Yeah. Okay. You may have already used one. Well, we haven't started properly yet. Well, should I should I explain what the idiom was, Yes, so people please. Get an idea yes, of please. what the game
1: was? So you were asking me about Denmark and 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 Sweden, and I said that if Swedes have beef with anyone, it's the Norwegians. So that was my idiom there to have beef with someone. Mm. How would you explain what that means then? It means that you have a bit of a rivalry, or if you have a bit of an issue with them, for example. Uh, I think it's an American English idiom, but it's used quite a lot in English, 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 proper English, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, but if you have beef with someone, you've got a bit of a, a problem with them, or a bit of an issue with them.
0: Yeah, it's like you're holding a grudge against them, or kind or, of. Or yeah, you, yeah, you have like a um, a score to settle. Like maybe they did. They maybe they said something about your your mum. You know. Yeah. And then and as a result, you're going to, make, I don't know, shoot them. That's how these well, things work, isn't it? it it's it's um, that's a little extreme. That's it's how it works with... in the rap game.
1: <laughs> Which is the game that we play. <laughs> uh, but in the way that um, in England, we have a joke about an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman. And the Irishman is always the fool. He's always the idiot. In the same way, in Sweden, the, the Norwegian is the fool and the idiot right and okay. maybe your swedish or norwegian listeners will correct me but that certainly was my experience when i lived there
0: i've heard that too. Not, not that they're idiots but that swedes were the, use them as the butt of a joke right that there's a kind of a rivalry between the norwegians and the swede or something some bad blood between the two of them not a lot but a, a little bit okay so yeah the swedes have got a, some beef with the norwegians for some reason there okay all right so Uh, Remember, ladies and gents, idioms are fixed expressions with a particular meaning, a meaning that might not be obvious when you take them on face value. For example, to have beef with someone, it doesn't mean you're sharing a burger. Uh, It would mean that um, you've just got, uh, I don't know, like a a, a bad feeling or some sort of um, resentment or a grudge issue. An issue with someone. Exactly. Okay. Uh, So the meaning of the phrase is different from the words used in the expression. They don't have a literal meaning. Really common idioms, um, which you probably already know, uh, everyone, are things like that was a piece of cake, meaning that was easy, or it's just not my cup of tea, meaning I don't really like it. And those two are really common and well known ones that just happen to involve food. A third example, and we had beef as well, which is another food related one. Um, uh, another example might be, well, you've really hit the nail on the head there. So to hit the nail on the head, um, which we use when someone has made exactly the right comments, that's the, you know, the sort of comment which perfectly explains or sums up the situation. Well, you've really hit the nail on the head there, for example. So Andy and I have both chosen three idioms, but we haven't told each other what they are yet. And we're going to play a little game while taking part in the conversation. Um, the introduction is nearly finished. The rules of the game are this. First of all, we have to seamlessly include the idioms into the conversation. We should try to find a way to include the idioms in a natural way so that they're used correctly for the context of the conversation. And not too obviously. They shouldn't stick out like a sore thumb, for example. You can't just shoehorn them in. Exactly. Whoa, two other idioms there. To stick out like a sore thumb and to... Oh, sh- that,
1: was another, that was another one of on my three.
0: But... Was that another one? What? To shoehorn oh, I'm going to have to think some new ones now. Oh. Sticking out like a sore thumb, imagine if you've hit your thumb with a hammer, it would swell up and go all big and it would stick out. It would be really obvious. Well, if something sticks out uh, unnaturally, you could say it sticks out like a sore thumb. And to shoehorn something in is like a way of forcing something into something else. Like if, you, if you're, trying to put, you're trying to put on a shoe that's too small you need an uh, a tool called a shoehorn which allows you to squeeze your foot into the shoe to shoehorn something in but it's used here to mean to sort of force something into something that doesn't really want to go in
1: yeah and i think like uh, i think like a lot of idioms the the idiom uses an expression that or a, an item in the expression that we don't really use anymore do you do you own a shoehorn Luke No, I've never ever used a shoehorn. never used one no they used to be quite popular back in the day and yeah. they're like a almost like a long spoon or something, and you you'd put your you put it in between your heel and the back of the shoe, and then you'd sort of pivot your foot into your shoe mm. but um no i don't i don't we we don't have one either, but it's quite often the case that you get these idioms that use these expressions that for items that we just no longer use anymore yeah. Try, I'm trying to think of another one now, but I'm, I'll think of it. I'll write it down, and I'll slip it into the conversation later. So the rules
0: include the idioms in a natural way. That yes, was the rule exactly. What's um, the second rule? Both of us have to try and identify which idioms we chose, and when we hear them, write them down. So, for example, when we start our conversation, Andy, which is going to happen soon, mm-hmm. um, if I think you're, you've used one of the idioms that you've written down, I have to write it down. So I've got to try and identify the ones that you've pre-prepared, you see. Okay. And at the end of the conversation, we will state which idioms we thought were the pre-prepared ones. And for each correctly identified pre-prepared idiom, we get a point.
1: A point, okay.
0: It is possible and indeed encouraged to slip in some other idioms as distractions, but these must not be pre-prepared. All right, Mm -hmm. so those are the distraction ones, but I've got to identify the ones that you've pre-prepared. So basically I have to spot Andy's three pre-prepared idioms and he has to spot my three pre-prepared idioms. A strategy could be this, to insert your pre-prepared idioms into the conversation without them being too obvious, while perhaps attempting to distract each other or tempt each other with other idioms that we just include on the spur of the moment. This This is far more complicated than it should have been. You know what Andy sometimes I, th- I think that my attempts to help sometimes just have the opposite effect and they just make everyone more confused you made me more confused <laughs> basically ladies and gents watch out for some mediums we'll go through them at the end okay Excellent. all right good good luck godspeed yes so anyway Andy how are you doing i'm very well i'm very well how are you very well too thanks the sun is shining uh, winter is nearly finished so that's nice Have you
1: have you been because
0: we're talking on
1: well we're talking sort of the middle of march and have you been affected or were you affected by what they called in england the beast from the east the beast from the east
0: okay i think it's necessary to just explain the beast from the east this is the name given to a cold weather system that's uh, swept across the united kingdom recently extraordinarily cold weather that actually came from the east. It actually came from Russia, from Siberia to be exact. So very cold weather was blown across in the direction of the United Kingdom. It doesn't normally happen. So it was quite extraordinary. Uh, We got Siberian weather hitting the United Kingdom, which brought obviously very cold conditions, snow, and other difficulties. Uh, The UK is not used to uh, dealing with Siberian weather so naturally the whole of the United Kingdom panicked and uh, the newspapers all across the country were going on and on about the beast from the east a beast is another word for a monster basically like a uh, yeah a beast a monster like a big dangerous creature in this case the beast from the east so they're just talking about this cold weather system that came across from Siberia it actually combined with a storm that was hitting the southwest of the uk the storm was called storm emma and the beast from the east and storm emma collided to create really really awful weather conditions which caused chaos across the country particularly in the southwest and a number of airports were closed and uh, other uh, difficulties were caused by the beast from the east all right well Yes, I was personally affected by the Beast from the East because we had planned to fly back to the UK to see my parents a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they live in the Midlands, so we mm. were going to fly into Birmingham Airport with the baby and stuff. It would have been her first flight, and so that was a bit kind of stressful. We had to kind of get her to the airport, and there was the, the stress of going through the airport with a baby and, and all that stuff. and uh, And this big storm big sort of snowstorm this cold weather storm coming from siberia i think Mm. which uh the press in the uk had had called the beast from the east in in france the weather was nice but in birmingham that day it was snowing heavily and there was a lot of wind so our flight got cancelled at the last minute Oh, and it was, no. yeah, it was chaos in the airport and we had to do loads of queuing. We did sort of four hours of queuing to try and get ourselves on another flight. And in the end, Air France put us in a hotel and um, they, they put us up in a hotel uh, until um, another flight became available in the, at the end of the day. And then that one got cancelled. So then we just went home. So literally we spent 10 hours just in airport land uh, for oh, no reason. And then, we, and then we had to go home. So, yeah, the beast from the east swept in. And cancelled all our flights, so uh, denying us the chance to go home and see my parents. That was annoying. What about you? Uh,
1: I can't remember. It was fine. I think it was cold. Um, but, you know, it was the first time that my kids had seen snow, so that was exciting. Oh, yeah. So we took them out and threw snowballs around and slipped and, sli- and slid around. It was good. But, yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing as dramatic as that because
0: I was just, you know, just going to work. So it was easy. It was annoying because in France the weather was actually quite nice, but um, so it was really weird. You know, the sun was shining, but obviously two hours away in Birmingham it was all snowy. And and and, and have you used any of the idioms yet? No, neither. Have have, no, neither have I. No. All right, I'm okay. wondering if how this is... Gonna, I'm looking at my list of idioms thinking, no, how am I going to use these? They've got nothing to do with snow and... and uh, Or have I? Maybe I have used uh, an idiom. Ah. Maybe
1: I have. Maybe, I, I, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. So that was, that was the beast from the east. Yeah, what else?
0: Well, what about you? Have you been uh, mistaken for Moby recently?
1: <laughs> you know what? I think since we last spoke on this podcast, I have actually... Mm-hmm. And it was a weird one because it was it was back in the summer and um, it was I think it was the weekend of the Notting Hill Carnival. So the end of August. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the Notting Hill Carnival, it's a it's kind of a big event that actually goes ahead just on the doorstep, actually, of where um, Luke and I used to work together, where I still work at the Lund School. And um, it it's it's over the long summer weekend, long August bank holiday weekend. And I think as a result, a lot of people just drink too much. And it's a bit of a weird time to be in London because you kind of, it's a, it's like, um, have you ever seen the walking dead? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like that with people just kind of aimlessly shuffling around because they've drunk so much or they've taken something else perhaps. (laughs) Yes. And, um, we were walking back from the park natasha my wife and i and the two kids and i was up ahead with with my eldest because he was on his bike and there was this couple walking towards us and they'd clearly been drinking all day and this guy kind of stops me like physically grabs me and he says you know who you look like you look like fat boy slim uh, and I just was. I looked at him and I was like, uh, "Okay, all right, thanks." Because you know, I, I, he was a bit, he was a bit weird. And I, I carried on walking with with um, my son because he'd just gone off ahead. And he was like, "This guy was like, yeah, fat boy, slim." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, "Well, that's a new one. No one has ever said I look like him before because <laughs> I don't look anything like him." And then my wife, who was walking maybe twenty meters behind me because she was she was carrying um, our, our little our little son. Um he stopped her and he said, Don't you think he looks like Fat Boy Slim? And my my wife said, No. But people think he looks like Moby. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant. He looks like Moby. And then he turns round and he shouts up the street to me, You look like Moby. I meant Moby And I was like, Oh God. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: Yeah, so it does it does still happen.
0: You're a bit of a dead ringer for Moby, it has to be said. The cross eyed um, bear. Sorry? It's the cross eyed bear. It's the, it's the cross you bear, is it? Okay. Yeah, don't write that one down. <laughs> um I'm gonna write it down because we may have to uh, explain that one afterwards. Okay. And uh what about your kids? Do, do your kids look uh, like any pop stars then? <laughs> I mean <laughs> At Christmas, we went to see
1: some friends at Christmas and um my son did actually get mistaken for somebody else. Oh really? Um, yeah, we, we went to see some friends of ours in this little village called Balcombe, which is it's kind of halfway between London and Brighton. It's a lovely, lovely little place. We've got some very good friends there. It was a Saturday night and we were like, what are we going to do tonight? I mean, bearing in mind they've got two kids and we've got two kids, so we were never going to go out exactly. But uh, my friend Tom's like, well, we're going to go to the pub because they've, they've got a Santa there in the beer cellar. I was like, okay what?
0: A Santa. Santa, a Santa in a, in a beer in,
1: cellar in the beer cellar yeah so it, quite often in these these old pubs in particular they they have a downstairs in the cellar where it's all kind of cold and dark and a bit uh damp that's where they keep the beer because that's the best kind of um conditions for it mm. so I was like okay we'll go and see the Santa in the beer cellar and we got there and um So we were standing outside the pub and they had a Christmas tree and they were singing carols and stuff. And they had one of those trap doors. So you know the way quite often outside pubs there's a trap door on the pavement and you open it up and then you can roll the barrels down into the cellar. Right. And this particular pub had like a a wooden slide, a ramp that they'd roll the barrels down. And what they were doing is they were charging like £5 for your child to slide down the beer ramp. Right. So I was like, Ezra, we're going to do it. Even if you don't want to do it, I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> How often, you know, when do you ever get a chance to slide into a beer seller? So I thought, let's do it. <laughs> so I took him down, slid him down. And it was surprisingly fast and actually hurt my back when I landed. Oh, you both slid down together? Yeah, yeah. I had to have him on my lap. Right, yeah. And So we were sitting at the top of the slide. And this woman who I'd just given my five pounds to, she's like, um, she's like, just make sure you don't bang your head on the beam as you go down. And I I hadn't even noticed that there was this big, like, stone beam, like, at head level. So I had to more or less go down completely on my back, yeah, like, clutching my son on my chest. And that's why I kind of slid across the floor and hurt my back when we landed. Anyway, so we get to the bottom of the slide. And uh, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Yeah, this man dressed as Santa Claus was sitting there. No, it was Santa. I'm sure it was the real Santa. No, no, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Obviously it was, yeah. That's, you know, he was a busy man, but, you know, he,
0: he, made, he made the time to come to a little pub in, in rural England. He took some time out to sit in a beer cellar. Do you reckon they said, look, you can have as much beer as you want, just sit in this cellar for this afternoon? Well, it's funny you say that, because the guy was clearly half
1: cut, and he was sitting on his barrel quite, you know, mm. tipsy, if you like. Two sheets to the wind. Two sheets to the wind, and, um, as I write down two sheets <laughs> wind, um, and, uh, so anyway, so we went up, uh, I had Ezra with me and he says, he's like, what's your name then? And Ezra said, Ezra. And he went, oh, Ezra, that's a very pretty name. And I was like, oh, hang on a second. Mm. And he went, have you been a good girl, Ezra? Uh, <laughs> And I was like, "Oh boy, oh boy!" <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Santa's always doing that." So, um, Santa's a yeah. Cockney. Santa's a Cockney. Santa's a drunk Cockney. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so okay, Ezra's not Ezra's not been my son hasn't been mistaken for Moby yet, but he has been mistaken for a girl on did, a couple of occasions. Did Ezra notice? No, he didn't care. He didn't care. Uh, but it got he, he got me thinking. I was like, "Why did he think he was a girl?" Because he wasn't wearing a dress or he wasn't wearing anything that was particularly suggesting that he was a girl. He had like his, his coat on and his jeans and he had, he had like a little beanie on a little woolly hat. Mm. But um, yeah, so it kind of, it kind of got me thinking because it's not the first time that that's happened. Mm. He's, he's been out, he's got this, um, my wife bought him a little push chair because yeah. he, he, because he kind of really got fixated on the fact that I would always take him running in our in our buggy in our push chair so when i was training for last year when he was smaller when he would still go in the buggy i used to run with him and we'd go out for like 10 15 kilometers or whatever and he'd sit in the buggy and he'd sing away wow. so he kind of really liked the idea of having a buggy of his own to push so my wife bought him one but it's bright pink because hmm. you know it's this this whole gender neutral thing so he, he takes it out and he's got like a little giraffe that he he buckles in and he's really careful and he pushes this this buggy around all the time so he quite often gets mistaken for a girl when he's got that and
0: he's, Be- he's, because he's pe- about with it. people see him with his little pink push chair and they just assume that he's a girl because the push chair is pink yeah it's,
1: yeah yeah right and it's it's difficult i mean i was going to ask you actually with with your daughter where do you where do you stand on gender-neutral clothing i mean what i mean by that is do you because when we before it's, it's quite common before you have a child if you don't know what you're having but mm. you, you knew you were having a girl we knew we you? were having a girl yeah for a while so when you were buying clothes and getting ready did you buy girl stuff because we didn't know what we were having so we just bought a load of gender and gender neutral stuff so the white baby grows and stuff like that
0: yeah we it bought great we we bought a lot of just neutral clothing so my wife and i both agree that, um, well, we we don't really like that super, super girly stuff, you know, like really pink things with, like, lots of um, flower flowers or, you know, the other typical sorts of designs that you would associate with, uh, you know, girls' clothing traditionally. Mm. So we tend to just buy her stuff that's, yeah, fairly neutral. And she's got some clothes that could be worn by a boy or a girl. Part of the reason for that is because we were thinking, well, if we have another one and yeah. it's a boy, then we want to be able to recycle the clothes. So, you know, we kind of buy stuff that, you know, either a boy or a girl could wear. And mm. also, a lot of the clothes that we like are just sort of fairly, I don't know, neutral in colour, neutral in style. Yeah. And and a lot yeah. of the French brands, like uh, something like Petit Bateau, a lot of their stuff is quite neutral in yeah. style anyway. So, yeah, I mean... It's, we haven't made a distinct effort to to push the gender neutral thing in in the way that we've been dressing her, but just in terms of our taste, I think we prefer stuff that is a bit more, I don't know, plain, you know, yeah. in style. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: have, have you ever, because people always get you loads of clothes for the kids when when they're little. Have have, have um have you been given a present and you thought, "There's no way I'm going to let my daughter wear that."
0: Uh, to be honest, yeah, a couple of you things. can't tell the story, can you? Well, I don't know. I don't know who's <laughs> going to be listening to this. Um, I, okay, uh, a couple of friends of friends, people I don't really know. That sounds like I'm distancing, you know, doesn't it? <laughs> we got a couple of gifts from like uh, I don't know, like friends of my parents. Yeah, and uh, very very sweet, but just the sort of thing that we wouldn't have bought and yeah. that we probably wouldn't uh dress her in so yeah a couple of things that we won't be dressing her in and yeah often the very 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 sort of mega pink mega mm. girly stuff with like kind of certain designs on them yeah yeah i'm trying to th- i'm trying to remember what we bought you now. Yeah. uh I, we i think it was i think it was pink and well, we don't mind pink per se, but it's, it's just a I I can't remember what it was. No, you, you, um, you gave us some, some really nice things, like uh, including some baby grows with Paddington Bear on them, which I and think you, right. you had for, for Ezra. Mm. Um, and I think you kept the one for the day that he was born, because he, he, the, these baby grows have all got days of the week written on them and a little yeah. picture of Paddington Bear. That's really nice, very tasteful mm. stuff. They've been very useful. She's still wearing uh, Apart from you you've got a missing day, obviously. We've got a missing, the, we got we a missing the day one. But we haven't really respected the days. Because you know the way it is. Sometimes <laughs> you're like, Dash it, I need a I need a baby grow now, this one, it's, yeah. it says Sunday, I don't care. Yeah. It's clean. It's
1: like, did you ever have
0: those socks with the days of the week on? Yeah.
1: Oh man, that was a minefield. And they get mixed up all over the place. They get mixed up so you're wearing like a Monday on one foot and a Wednesday on the other, and it's actually Friday. Oh, you just have to give up then. Yeah, that's right. But they they used to cause me undue stress in the morning because I was trying to find a matching pair for the right day and it just it just didn't work. But on on the point of 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 girls' clothes in particular, I remember this happened to us a few years ago. Our friends had um, a little girl,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we bought um, it was like a little denim skirt, but she was bigger than we realised. So by the time when we when we finally got to see them and we gave them the gift. I mean she was she wasn't like really little she was maybe 4 years old at this point. I got a message from my mate saying listen it's really nice of you to have bought the present but she looks a bit like a street walker.
0: <laughs> wait 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 <laughs> what's like, a street walker? You're going you're going to have to spell it so, out. A street walker. so okay I
1: mean he was joking but it was it was it was too small for her and it was so short that it made him, it made her look like a lady of the night, if uh-huh. you like. Uh-huh. Uh, do I need to elaborate more than that? A lady of the night. Now, I think we can. I think we can guess what that
0: that means. So, so it's a
1: tough one. I mean, gender-neutral a- clothing is a tough one. But as you say, I mean, if, you, if you're if you're thinking of having another child, then it's it's
0: definitely the way to go. Yeah, I think so. And it's a it's a thing that you know a lot of people are talking about these days. You know, issues, gender issues are, are so um, pervasive these days. All over the place, and it's it's also still a very controversial thing that people get very uh, uptight about gender issues and gender neutrality. There's the there are the people who are kind of pushing for gender neutrality, and then those people who seem to get very upset about it and um, react. Quite strongly to it, you see a lot of that kind of thing happening on social media whenever there's mm-hmm. a story in the press about something gender related that you see in the comments section there 's always lots of people sort of losing their minds a- about it and stuff like that
1: it reminds me of um, is it, it was international women 's day recently it was yeah. and what 's amazing is how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on international women 's day and they say things like oh, well, why don't we have an International Men's Day? And yeah. things like that. And it, it, there, there is actually an International Men's Day in November. But um, there's this guy in this country actually called Richard Herring who does a podcast. Well, so you must know him because yeah, yeah. We, we've spoken about him before. He Richard. Has a,
0: um, Richard Herring, yeah. His podcast is called Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcasts or Rahelastapa, Rahel as the cool kids call it. <laughs> uh, Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast he's a comedian and he interviews other comedians on his podcast mm. and uh, it's it's good fun it's a mixture of often quite serious conversation and completely stupid nonsense he's got a book of emergency questions yeah that's which right. I guess he pulls out when whenever he's kind of uh, can't think of uh, the right question to ask and the emergency questions are all really stupid kind of would you rather kind of questions yeah. can you remember any of his emergency questions
1: Uh, I think his most famous one was: Would you rather have a hand made out of ham,
0: or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? An armpit that dispenses sun cream, or a hand made out of ham? Yeah. Okay. I I I would have the armpit that dispenses sun cream. Of course you would. It's
1: it's the obvious choice. I mean. But it, it does. It, it, with these guests, they can they 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 can ask us whatever supporting questions they want. So, right. for example, the hand will grow back if you eat it. but oh, it'll okay. take it'll take a few days.
0: So if you <laughs> and, eat if you, if you eat if you're feeling a bit peckish and yeah. you eat your thumb, the thumb yeah. will grow back after a couple of days. Yeah. So you exactly. could you could feasibly survive on your own hand.
1: Yeah, and how it, it doesn't if you're a vegetarian and it it it's fine because you're not actually eating an animal you're eating yourself
0: okay but it is ham it's ham though ham (laughs) is 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 is, does that mean that that every time you eat part of your hand that part of a pig gets taken away somewhere in the world no it's your body it's coming out of you it's
1: human ham it's man ham it's man ham that's right (laughs) and then with the um the sun cream it's about a bottle a day that you can dispense Oh, that you got a limit of a bottle a day. So it's a limit, but you can choose whatever factor you want. Okay. So, but you as soon as you, you know, so it, it's it's. So the uh, the
0: point there is that you can't go into sun cream production. Exactly. You yeah, yeah. You just... can't make any money off it, but you've got enough for you and your family. <laughs> <laughs> and what if you don't dispense the sun cream? Does it build up?
1: Doesn't go on to say that I don't know. Can't if, answer that. If
0: it's a bit like breast milk, which is which as we know uh if you don't if if you don't express it if it's not used then it sort of builds up uncomfortably <laughs> right um, this is
1: this is this is our world at the moment yeah
0: yeah that's right um then um yeah if it doesn't do that then it's kind of not such a big deal because you could just ignore it forget about it
1: yeah I think, you know, I think it just sort of sits there and and once it's empty it just replenishes. I don't think it would make you feel uncomfortable.
0: But you could you could just live your life never really having to use it. It never it's never an annoying uh thing that you have to deal with.
1: Yeah, whereas the hand of ham, even if you don't eat it, it's going to be it's going to be greasy. Like if you try reading a newspaper, it's all going to be like yeah. Oh, stained and dark after a little while
0: And people are going to sort of say to you um i'm sorry i'm sure you get this all the time but um is your, is your hand made of ham you'd be like yeah you yeah, like do you want uh, a nibble yeah it is actually <laughs> like would you you know would you like some and you, you know and they're like uh, no i'm a vegetarian but just why is your hand made of ham that's so weird would it smell on hot days? Probably, yes. It would yeah. probably sweat, wouldn't it? Like, even Ugh. more, but in a bad way. It's it's yeah. it's probably best not even thinking... I would definitely go for the sun cream dispensing armpit. Anyway, that's the sort of stupid conversation you can hear on Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, which you can find on on the internet, of course. Anyway, Richard Herring is, is quite active on Twitter.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what I was going to say is that... Um, Every year on International Women's Day, he goes on Twitter and every time somebody makes a comment about, well, when's International Men's Day? He just tells them. He's like, I think it's November the 28th, isn't it? It's like, it's November so. the 28th.
0: Hello, folks. Quick fact check again here. International Men's Day is actually November the 19th, not the 28th. Actually, November the nineteenth. So every time we say November the twenty eighth from now on in this conversation, just replace it in your head with November the nineteenth. Oh, thank you.
1: He just does it every year. So he'll be on he'll be on Twitter for about twenty hours, just answering idiot- <laughs> I- idiots and just making just shaming them. Really, I think it's it's quite it's yeah. quite impressive. But this year, he decided to raise money for charity. So he set himself a target of fifteen thousand pounds. So people would like, every time someone said, well, Wins International Men's Day, he'd say it's on November the 28th and now pay a fine here. And he'd have a link to his fundraising page. Oh, I see. So he set himself a target of £15,000. And do you know how much he raised in a day? No, I don't. He raised 130 grand. What? No, it was incredible. And it was, for, um, it was for a charity that provided shelter for victims of uh, domestic abuse. Yeah. So it was a really, really good cause. But just from doing, I just thought I thought it was a really interesting story—the yeah. fact that it's coming out of people's um, ignorance that he created this this fundraising movement that he did for a day and he managed to raise all this money. So it's the, really quite
0: impressive. So the thing is, right? So with International Women's Day, the point of that day is to celebrate women and to kind of because as we know in history women have been oppressed in various ways yeah less so obviously every every year arguably i mean they didn't have the vote for for such a long time in the uk they got the vote just after world war one and mm. the whole idea of international women's day is a way of recognizing women and paying attention to the challenges that they have which are, are unique and and the the argument being that all the other days in the year are, are already international men's day mm. and just as a way of sort of bringing some attention to that cause and then so on twitter what happens is people are tweeting about international women's day and and things that are going on for international women's day and there's always there are always guys whose response is to say well when's international men's day then Mm. because when i guess women's rights are promoted some men feel instead instead of feeling like this is equality they feel like it's a sort of somehow taking away the rights of men to celebrate or recognize women on a particular day of the year and so their response is to go well when's international men's day then with the idea that there is no international men's day and that this whole thing is completely unfair and sexist but the whole point is that actually there is an international men's day but yeah it's just it's
1: it's jaw dropping the amount of misogyny that comes out on days like today on on days like international women's day and it's uh, i think for him to shine a spotlight on these people and kind of call them out for their ignorance and their general dickish behavior mm. while still raising money and raising awareness for the cause i thought i just thought it was really really good but you know he got an awful lot of abuse f- for it as well on twitter from the same people that you know didn't like to be corrected and didn't like the fact that their their
0: little tiny little world views were being challenged by somebody yeah and this is a sign of the times as well with uh, twitter there's just it is a great platform and all that stuff but it's also a place that allows people to be very abusive Mm. um in their anonymity and so yeah he got lots of abuse for it then yeah okay yeah did i tell you i got twitter abused as well hello everyone i'm pausing the conversation right there Andy's about to tell us about how he got abused on twitter but you'll have to wait until part two to hear that story and the rest of the conversation and the results of our idioms game but you might be thinking luke why are you pausing here Well, the whole conversation went on for about 90 minutes, and this time I thought that I would split it into two episodes, mainly because I want to take a bit of time to highlight certain features of language that you have heard already in the conversation, namely all the idioms that have come up so far, all of the idioms that Andy and I have used so far. We're focusing on idioms uh, in this episode. Uh, Now, you know that we're playing an idioms game in this one, and I wonder if you've been paying attention, trying to spot the idiomatic phrases that we prepared in advance. And remember, it was three uh, pre-prepared idioms each, so a total of six. But as well as the six pre-prepared expressions, there are actually loads of other ones that are just coming up naturally. It's quite interesting that when you actually uh, really pay attention to natural conversation, and look out for them there are actually lots of idioms that just come up they're not obvious all the time but little idiomatic expressions constantly come up in people's conversations in fairly sort of um, subtle ways so what I'd like to do now is highlight all of the idioms which have come up so far Um, I've listened back to the conversation and I've made a list of all the idioms that I could hear plus a few other little bits of vocab here and there, but most of them, the majority of the expressions I'm going to highlight here are idioms. In fact, um, I've picked out at least 25 idioms already, just from the first half of the conversation. Not just the pre-prepared ones, but also other ones that came up naturally. So let me now go through them. I'm not going to tell you which ones are the pre-prepared ones, except to say that only one pre-prepared idiom has been used in the conversation so far. Just one. So that's one out of the six pre-prepared ones. Only one has been used so far. The other five will come up in the next conversation. So I'll let you discover in part two which ones indeed are the pre-prepared idioms so i'm not telling you which one um which pre-prepared idiom is actually in this in this conversation in this episode what i'm going to do though is explain every idiom that has come up in part two and i'll let you guess if you can which one was the pre-prepared one to be honest it's very hard to guess because it was used it, w- it was inserted in the, into the conversation very naturally so it wasn't kind of really obvious that it was being used um uh, uh, in a premeditated way. Okay. So anyway, let me go through every single idiom uh, that has come up so far in part one. So by the way, you can see this list on the page for this episode on my website. So I'm going to go through this fairly quickly because I, um, well, I just don't want them want this to go on forever. Um, anyway, so here is some Intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. You heard me say that? Here's some Intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. So we've got Intel and then to bring you up to speed. Intel is just short for intelligence. And intelligence really just, it it means a number of things, of course. But in this context, here's some Intel on Andy J. There it means intelligence, meaning information. So intelligence in this sense means information, but it's a word used by like the secret service, or the army or something like military intelligence. For example, you might hear a sentence like, you know, our agents have collected some valuable bits of intelligence, or maybe what's the intel on the British Prime Minister's security guards. So it's the kind of thing you would hear on like a TV show like Homeland or something, intelligence or intel, meaning sort of tactical uh, military information. So, um, I'm using there. I mean, you know, here's the, here's some Intel on Andy J. I could have said, here's some info about Andy J, but I chose to use, I guess the word Intel just cause it felt more fun. Here's some, in- cause it, you know, I like to imagine I'm in Homeland and Andy J is like, um, a, you know, someone that we're profiling or something. Anyway, here's some Intel on Andy J to bring you up to speed. So to bring someone up to speed means to give someone the latest information so that they are as informed as everyone else. For example, hi, welcome back. Welcome back. You've been off work for a couple of days, but welcome back. And let me just bring you up to speed on where we are with the negotiations. Okay, so I'm just going to kind of give you an update on where we are with the negotiations. Uh, You heard Andy say, if Swedes have beef with anybody, it's with the Norwegians. So we were talking about the relationship between Swede Swedish people, Danish people, Swedish people and Norwegian people. Um, and uh, he said, if Swedes have beef with anybody, it's with the Norwegians. So to have beef with someone means to have a complaint to make about someone or something, or to have a long-running resentment or grudge against someone. Uh, like maybe someone did something bad to you in the past, and you've felt bad about them ever since. Like this kind of feeling of a negative resentment, or like you want to take revenge. You hear this sort of thing quite a lot in rap music. Let's say, for example, the, no- the famous rapper, the notorious B.I.G., let's say he insulted Tupac, another rapper. Maybe he said something about his mum. I don't know. So uh, Biggie, I don't know him, I mean, I, you know, obviously he's not with us anymore, but I didn't, I wasn't on sort of nickname terms with him. But um, anyway, let's call him Biggie. So Biggie insulted Tupac and then Tupac had a beef with Biggie. Yeah, I don't normally speak in this kind of hip-hop slang. It feels wrong for me to speak in those terms, but it's fun. So Notorious B.I.G. maybe cussed Tupac's mum, his mother, and then Tupac had a beef with him. I sound like Alan Partridge there. You don't know who Alan Partridge is, do you yet? Not yet, you will. I'm going to do an episode about that. Anyway, so this rapper insulted another rapper, and then the other rapper had beef with him. Uh, You could also say he had a grudge against him, and he had a score to settle with him. Those are the next two expressions. So if you're holding a grudge against someone... It means you have a long-running bad feeling against them, probably because of something that happened in the past, in the same way that you could say to have beef with them. For example, Mike stole Dave's girlfriend, so Dave has had a grudge against him ever since. Or, you know, Andy Murray has had a grudge against Nadal ever since he humiliated him in front of the crowds uh, of spectators at Wimbledon a few years ago. Or Obama made a joke about Donald Trump, and so Trump had a grudge against him. Uh, Trump had a beef with Obama. Okay. All right. Um, and you've got a score to settle with someone. If you have a score to settle with someone, it means you, you want or need to take revenge on someone. Okay. Uh, and then I said, uh, "And Andy, have you got your idioms? Uh, and Andy said, well, I've already used one. I think I might have jumped the gun a bit there to jump the gun, to jump the gun. This comes from athletics. You know, at the beginning of a race, like the 100 metre sprint, uh, the the runners all line up to get ready to start and uh, someone at the side fires a gun and that's when they know they should start running. And if you jump the gun, it means you start running before the, the gun has been fired. Okay. And um, I think if you do that several times you can be disqualified from the race but anyway to jump the gun comes from athletics and it means to do something too quickly like for example runners who start the race before the gun in this case andy used an idiom before the game had actually started so he jumped the gun to do something before you're supposed to do it Um, andy said swedes use norwegians as the butt of a joke So if you are the butt of a joke, it means you're the object of the joke, the target of the joke. For example, for years, the Irish were the butt of a lot of jokes in England. So the English people used to make a lot of jokes about the Irish. The Irish were the butt of many jokes in England, which was not fair or not very nice. And it's not really appropriate to do that anymore. Um, You could say there's some bad blood between the two of them some bad blood between them. So we've got to have beef with someone, to hold a grudge against someone, to have a score to settle with someone uh, and now to have bad blood between two people. So bad blood is basically a bad feeling between two people because of something that happened in the past. So like, you know, there's bad blood between Dave and Mike because of something that happened with Dave's girlfriend and there's been bad blood between them for, for, for years now. Okay, um, another thing you heard was this a meaning that might not be obvious if you take them on face value, so I was talking about idioms. I was saying that it might not be obvious what the meaning of an idiom is if you take the idiom on face value. so if you take something on take uh, if you take something on face value um, or take something at face value, it means that you just accept something as the way it is without realizing that there is a deeper meaning or another aspect to it. For example, if you take an idiom on face value, you might take it literally without realizing that it actually has another meaning. Or if you, you know, you might take a joke on face value and not realize that it's a joke. You know, you might take it literally. Okay, like, for example, my Russian joke, uh, when I said it uh, live on stage that time, when the two Russian people arrived, and I said, where are you from? Because they, they were arriving late. I said, where are you from? And they said, we're Russian. And I said, well, you weren't Russian to get here tonight. And I, I I imagine that they took it on face value. They were thinking, well, no, we are Russian, um, yeah look here are my passport here's my passport look i am rushing it's like no 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 no. you didn't realize you just took it on face value you didn't realize it had a double meaning take it on face value so idioms you've got to be careful with them too because um, if you take an idiom on face value for example if someone says well that was a piece of cake you're like, well well, it wasn't a piece of cake it was a it was an exam what what are you talking about so no no you're just taking it on face value um yeah Okay, that's the next idiom, actually, in my list. That was a piece of cake. You know that one. It means that was easy. And also we had, it's just not my cup of tea, which is one that everyone knows as well, which means I don't really like it. It's just not my cup of tea. Nice, nice idioms, those two. Nice, easy idioms that everyone knows. And it's, remember, with cup of tea, it's always negative. It's You don't say, oh, that's my, it's just my cup of tea. No, uh, you'd say, that's just up my street. Uh, but um, it's always negative. Uh, if you don't like it, well, what do you think of Star Wars? Oh, I don't know. I've never seen Star Wars. It's just, it's just not my cup of tea. Okay, now another one was, you've really hit the nail on the head there. To hit the nail on the head means to say exactly the right thing at exactly the right moment. Okay, yeah, exactly. You You just, you hit the nail on the head. When you're hammering a nail into the wall, it's best when you hit the nail right on the head of the nail and then it will go in better. So it's just like to strike exactly at the right spot at the right moment and bim, you get exactly what you wanted. So to hit the nail on the head, it usually means when you say something that's exactly right at exactly the right moment. Okay. To hit the nail on the head. So, for example, you're, trying to disc- you're talking about a situation and someone summarises the situation in a sentence. Yeah, exactly. You, you just hit the nail on the head. Um, we had, um, I was explaining the rules of the game to Andy and saying that we should try and fit the idioms into the conversation without them being too obvious. And I said the idioms shouldn't stick out like a sore thumb. So if something sticks out like a sore thumb, it means it's really obvious or it's really different from the surroundings or from the other things. Like, uh, what else? What could be... like? Okay, when I was um, living in Japan, I remember I went to a, a concert. I went to a concert. I saw a guy called Money Mark, who used to be the keyboard player for the Beastie Boys. Anyway, I went to see Money Mark uh, at a small venue in Tokyo, and the audience was full of Japanese people and then me. Right, and I was taller than most of the people in the audience, and also I don't look Japanese, and at the time, my hair was blonder than it is now just because as I've been getting older, my hair has been going a bit darker, as it does, you know. But uh, I was blonder and, uh, and taller than everyone else. And so um, Money Mark, while he was playing the keyboards, I swear, was looking at me uh, for a lot of the time. I was standing in the middle of the room, and I'm sure that my I was kind of almost head and shoulders above everyone else in the crowd. So he must have just seen this sea of, like, dark Japanese uh, heads, all his Japanese hair, and then just me popping up uh, above everyone. And so I think I stuck out like a sore thumb. In fact, you know, it's something I felt like all the time when I was living in Japan. I'd walk down the street, me like not really being able to fit in. And I always felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. It was very difficult to sort of just discreetly walk down the street because uh, it was like, hello, I'm not from around here. Look at me. I'm different. I really stuck out like a sore thumb. Okay, a sore thumb. If you hit your thumb with a hammer, it'll get sore, and it'll swell up, and it'll stick up. So, bing, and it'll, you know, be different to the other fingers on your hand. It'll be obvious. Stick out like a sore thumb. A lot of hammering in this episode so far. Yeah, anyway... Um uh, you shouldn't shoehorn them in. So I was saying to Andy, try to just put your idioms into the conversation naturally. Don't don't make it too awkward. You know, yeah, they have to slip in naturally. And I said, you, I think he said you shouldn't shoehorn them in. To shoehorn something in means to force it in unnaturally. We talked about what a shoehorn is. It's like this kind of flat instrument that you would use to allow your foot to slip into your shoe more easily. People don't seem to use them anymore. What about you? Do you have a shoehorn at home? Do you, I mean, do you know where it is? Do you actually use it? Or is it just one of those objects that's lying around in your house somewhere? Oh, look at this. It's a shoehorn. Yeah, sometimes you get them free in a box with When you buy some shoes, there's a shoehorn in the box. And you go, that's great. Never going to use it. Anyway, a shoehorn. To to shoehorn something in. Meaning to force something in unnaturally. In this case, you know, we shouldn't try and shoehorn the idioms in too much. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'd like to find another example of that. I mean, you could say, for example, the restaurants outside our apartment here in France, they have, um, they have some space on the pavement. Uh, but in the summer, when everyone wants to eat outside, they squeeze loads of tables into all this. They really like shoehorn tables into every available space. Okay. Another example might be during the presentation, I wanted to try and make reference to something else that wasn't really relating to the topic of my presentation. Let's say, for example, I wanted to um, try and promote my book. I've written a book and I wanted to, you know, get some kind of promotion for the book in there. But the presentation was about something else. But I managed to kind of shoehorn my uh, uh, promotion into the presentation. Okay, like to force something in uh when there isn't really much space for it okay um what was next so uh, next thing was to include some unprepared idioms on the spur of the moment the spur of the moment s-p-u-r at the spur of the moment so that means to if you do something on the spur of the moment it means you do so do it on impulse without planning it in advance you know like for example we just you know i just bought some tickets to to go to um I just saw them advertised on the internet. I just bought some tickets to go and see the Rolling Stones. I just did it on the spur of the moment. Yeah, okay. They cost £100, but I just thought, oh, come on. It's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see the Rolling Stones before they die. Uh, So, okay, I'm just going to buy them. I just chose to do it on the spur of the moment. And also in the episode, a lot of the idioms just came up and were used on the spur of the moment as well. Um, Andy said the Notting Hill Carnival goes on just on the doorstep of the London School. So if something happens or if something is on the doorstep of a place, it just means it's very close to the building. So the doorstep is the, you know, piece of stone just in front of the door. Sometimes doors have a little step just before the door and that's the doorstep okay now if something's on the doorstep it doesn't mean it's literally i mean you know this doesn't mean that the notting hill carnival takes place exclusively on the doorstep of the london school of english i mean that would be a very small carnival maybe one guy two guys maybe a guy and a girl i don't know Uh, or tiny miniature a tiny miniature carnival on the doorstep no don't take it on face value it's just an idiom so uh it means that it just happens in the local area so london school is based in holland park and the uh, notting hill carnival happens in notting hill uh, and uh, you know that's just round the corner it's just on the doorstep of the london school meaning close to it to a building um uh, Andy told the story about the, 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 father Christmas that, uh, he visited, uh, with his son in the cellar of a pub. And he said, the guy was clearly half cut, half cut means drunk. And he said he was sitting on the barrel, two sheets to the wind and two sheets to the wind means drunk as well. Also, you could say three sheets to the wind too. All right. Um, um, I think I, I think I said, did you ever have those socks? No, Andy said, did you ever have those socks with the days of the week on them? Because you can get socks with the days of the week. So you have like a pair of socks for Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Um, and he's, and I think I said, oh, yeah, that was a minefield. So if you have socks with the days of the week, it's a minefield. Um, a minefield literally is a place where landmines have been planted. These are basically bombs that are hidden in the ground so that if you walk on that land or if you drive a vehicle over the land, they, they will explode. It's horrible, absolutely horrible weapons used in war. But also, so a minefield is a space where lots of mines have been planted on the ground all right, but we do use the expression, it's a minefield, to talk about a very difficult situation in which problems are very likely to happen. So you need to take great care, you need to be very careful. So with the subject of the socks, it's a minefield, because what's obviously going to happen is, if you're not careful, you're going to mix up Monday's socks with Wednesday's socks, and you're going to have like a a Tuesday sock on your left foot, you're going to have a a, a Friday sock on your right foot, you're going to have a... Thursday sock on your other foot, and before you know it, you've got three feet and you've got different socks on all of them. So it's a minefield. Um, okay, so a recipe for disaster, just a um, a difficult situation in which problems are very likely to happen. So you need to be very careful. Like for example, I know if you're going to give a presentation about um, I don't know, um, hmm, if you're going to give a presentation about uh, uh, s- sexually transmitted diseases at a a, a catholic school uh oh it's a minefield isn't it you're just going to offend someone you're going to get into trouble don't even do it just cancel cancel why are you doing that presentation anyway was that your idea to do a presentation about sexually transmitted diseases at the catholic convent school for no just don't just cancel pull out pull out of it pull out of it well, yeah, that's what I, that's one of the things I'll be saying in the presentation, actually. Just pull, pull out. It's one of the ways of preventing a sexually transmitted disease. That was an unintentional joke that I just came up with. If you didn't get it, rewind and listen again. Um, although, don't. Just carry on. Okay, so. Um, a, Andy mentioned a streetwalker. I said, wait, what's a streetwalker? Remember, he was talking about how he this is also a bit of a minefield this subject because it's potentially offensive anyway it's not don't get offended we're not trying to offend anyone um andy talked about how they bought him and his wife bought a a, a gift for their friend's uh, child uh, they bought the friend like a a skirt made of uh, denim but it turned out to be far too small and so when the girl wore it it was like very it looked inappropriate like she was wearing this denim miniskirt. it made her look like a streetwalker Uh, it made her look like a lady of the night. And I said, what's that? What's a street walker? I know what it is, but I thought that, uh, you, the audience might not know. And I said, you're going to have to spell it out. So a street walker or a lady of the night is a prostitute, basically. Uh, it's, those are both, both sort of euphemistic expressions to mean a prostitute. A street walker, a lady of the night. Both meaning a prostitute. Okay, so if you don't want to say the word prostitute directly, you could say she's well. They thought she was um, they you know a, like a streetwalker, you know, like like a lady of the night, you know, uh, meaning a prostitute. And I said, what? A, what do you mean? You're going to have to spell it out. So to spell something out means to make it absolutely clear. Doesn't mean to spell it letter by letter. It just means to explain it so it's nice and clear. Um, uh, Andy said, what's amazing is how is how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on International Women's Day. We know what trolls are. These are people who write abusive um, things intended to cause offence or intended to upset people uh, on the internet. Trolls. So it's amazing how many trolls creep out of the woodwork on International Women's Day. To creep out of the woodwork, we've had this expression on the podcast before. It's a negative expression. It's used to criticise people. And it means when people who are previously hidden or previously silent reveal themselves and their opinions so that means these people these guys were you know holding on to their um, offensive views and then on international women's day they suddenly reveal themselves and suddenly reveal their opinions so all these trolls come out of the woodwork on international women's day i mean i guess that these these guys who we're calling trolls for them they feel like uh, international women's day is somehow sexist against men um, this is the point that I was making before that they view what is intended to be a day in, in to promote equality. They view this equality as being an attack on their freedom or their status. Anyway, it's a complex issue. Um, I said, if you're feeling a bit peckish and you eat your thumb, the thumb will grow back. Remember that you've got four fingers and a thumb on your hand. If you're feeling, we're talking about when you if your hand is made out of ham just a stupid idea but quite fun thing to talk about if you're feeling a bit peckish you can eat your thumb so peckish means hungry a bit hungry so i'm a a bit peckish i think i'm going to have an apple a bit hungry peckish Um, it's jaw-dropping the amount of misogyny that comes out on days like this if something's jaw-dropping it means that it's surprising and amazing it makes your jaw drop open Uh, like wow jaw-dropping okay uh jaw dropping and another one relating to the the face or the body is it's eye opening if something is eye opening it's like wow you know it makes your eyes open wide so if something is eye opening it's really surprising and you learn something new from it you learn something you didn't know before wow that was an eye opener that was really eye opening meaning like you know we watched a documentary about the food industry and it was really eye opening like you know It was amazing and surprising, and we learnt new things from it. Um, And we were talking about Richard Herring and the way he uh, revealed... um people's misogyny on twitter on international women's day and he said for him to shine a spotlight on these people and to call them out for their ignorance and their general dickish behavior while still raising money and raising awareness for the cause i just thought it was really really good so to shine a spotlight on someone means to bring attention to someone okay so bring everyone's attention to something or someone to shine a spotlight on a a problem or shine a spotlight on a person bring attention to that person like for example in a theater Pointing a a theatre spotlight on someone on stage, it kind of brings everyone's attention to that person to shine a spotlight on someone. And to call someone out for something is similar. It means to publicly bring attention to someone's bad actions in this case. So if shining a spotlight on someone isn't because they've done something wrong necessarily, but to call someone out for something means that they've done something wrong. Like, hey, everybody, check out this guy. He criticised millennials. They called him out for criticising millennials. And then um, the next one is, um, who is this guy to slag off a whole generation? To slag someone off means to criticise someone in a really unpleasant way. And this is a slightly rude expression you should know to you know slagging someone off me means criticizing someone in a nasty way and the expression itself is a little bit rude sounding so there you go that's the end of the idioms in this episode there are more in part two and there should also be a bit at the end of part two where i explain the vocabulary in that one as well now i think this is really useful when i do this i hope you agree now I think what would really help you now is if you listened to the conversation again. Now you might think well I've already heard it once but and I'm here I am saying I think you should listen to it again because it's going to be good for your English. Don't underestimate how useful it is to hear things several times. It really helps to reinforce things, especially since I've just highlighted lots of the idioms and things. So now I've highlighted the idioms, listen to the conversation again, and I 100% promise you that you will notice them more easily, and you're also far more likely to remember them and to be able to notice them again in the future. Listening to conversations I have on my podcast with my guests is definitely important, but I think that just highlighting some of the language that you've heard by picking out certain phrases, repeating and explaining them, I think this can this can make a crucial difference. When I do this, I think this can make a crucial difference in your ability to really learn English from my episodes, and it's something I think is valuable, and I'm looking at ways of introducing this sort of thing more permanently. For example, an idea I'm thinking of, and I'm nearly ready to do it to implement it, this idea that I've got in the pipeline would be to introduce a paid premium service for just a few like euros or dollars or pounds a month, just a few like uh, pounds a month, for example, uh, a paid premium service where you'd get regular language review episodes where I go through language that you've heard in normal episodes of the podcast. The episodes would be available to premium subscribers in the app, uh, but not just in the app, also online via a computer on a website. Okay. Uh, now, preparing language reviews, like the one I've just done quickly in at the end of this episode here, it's actually very time-consuming for me, and it adds a lot more work. Uh, than just preparing a conversation, recording it, editing it, and publishing it as a free podcast, doing the language review too really like multiplies the amount of work because I have to listen carefully to the conversation again, I have to note certain language features, and then you know spend time clarifying them uh, on on the podcast uh, like i 've just done in this episode uh, that does take quite a long time, but a paid premium subscription option would allow me to do that more properly and regularly and it would mean that my time and work is being rewarded so I'd actually it would be worth doing and you'd get really valuable episodes extra episodes in which I explain the language that you've heard but you might have missed I don't do these little language reviews in every episode where I have conversations with my friends and family just because I can't a lot of the time it's just too much extra work for me but if I created this paid premium uh, option it would mean that that would pay for the time I could spend. Hopefully, eventually, if I get enough people um, subscribing to it, I think it could help to make that extra work worthwhile for both me and you, okay? So let me know what you think about that. From your point of view, from your end, it would be like this. You could sign up for LEP Premium online through my host Libsyn on the website, and you'd need to pay a little bit of money per month, not that much, probably just the price of a pint of beer per month for me. You know, like imagine just buying a pint of beer for me once a month. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. And then you'd be able to sign into my app and you'd get access to a certain number of premium episodes every month. You could get them in the app or you can get them on a website too. So it's not just in the app but the fact that they're they would also be available in the LEP app would be super convenient because I expect that most of you listen to this when you're out and about on your mobile device so those extra premium episodes that you get every month would be primarily about language I do various types of episode on Luke's English podcast some of them don't involve language teaching or a language focus Often they they are just episodes where I'm producing content, which I hope will be interesting and engaging for you to listen to. And, of course, it's all good for your English because you're getting valuable exposure to the language, and I am here to help, you know. Uh, even if I'm not explaining or teaching language in my episodes, hopefully I'm able to communicate and talk to you in a way that sort of connects with you as, as a learner of English. But the premium episodes would be all about language, and mostly they would involve me explaining, clarifying, and demonstrating English that you'd already heard occurring naturally in normal episodes of Luke's English Podcast. So they'd be like language review episodes with me highlighting and developing and broadening and, you know, helping you really learn language rather than just hearing it. You'd also have all of my advice and my explanations. You would be able to listen to all the normal episodes of Luke's English Podcast, and then several premium episodes, Two, which would explain, clarify, and expand on the vocab, grammar, and pronunciation that you'd heard coming up naturally in normal episodes. Do you get the idea? I'm I'm all I'm also planning to include other things for the premium package, which would include, for example, finishing off a phrasal verb a day. That would there are uh, currently 139 episodes of a phrasal verb a day when i finished doing it i kind of put the project on pause at episode 139 for some reason i'm slowly adding those 139 uh, phrasal verb episodes into the app at the moment so that they're the 139 or 140 of them will be always available free but the rest and i'm hoping to do 365 the rest of them would be part of the premium Package. I think, honestly, the only way I can continue the phrasal verb episodes is if they're part of a premium package, because I just can't justify just doing them free, you know? You understand, don't you? And don't worry, if you can't get the LEP app, you would still be able to access the premium content from a computer on the premium page. So, anyway, this is all in the pipeline. Things move a little bit slowly here at Luke's English Podcast headquarters, but I'm getting there. In the meantime, let me know what you think of the idea. Also, get the LEP app. Uh, more free extra stuff keeps popping up in there. I keep adding more stuff. I recently, owed it, I recently uploaded episode 518b, which is part two of the Grammar Questions episode. Remember that? I think that's probably the the previous episode of the podcast, episode 518. It was Grammar Questions part one. Well, I've, I've added part two only in the app. So get the app, check it out um there's lots of stuff there that you should find useful about uh things like uh, verbs hope and will and also relative clauses and some other bits and pieces too about grammar also sign up for the mailing list on the website if you haven't already done that um But that's it. Time for me to go now. Uh, I'll speak to you again with Andy, too, in part two of this episode, where you will learn some more idioms and also find out what happens in our idioms game in the end. Thank you so much for listening. I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order.
0: Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premiuminfo.